The Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's The Car Doctor, John Paul on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Well, good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL and AM 1260 WBIX. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems on this, well, 4th of July weekend is what it really is. Um, you know, it's not quite 4th of July yet, but it certainly sounded like it with the fireworks I heard last night, but those fireworks were all thunder and lightning. Uh, but it was a, a pretty intensive storm, and hopefully everybody's okay. If you're thinking, hmm, he sounds a little funny. Is he pre-recorded? Not pre-recorded. Uh, but I decided, opted not to go to Quincy today. So, uh, so I'm home at my kitchen table, and hopefully things are going to work out okay. We do have a couple of guests for today. We will be talking to Tim Reeser. He is the president of Lightning Hybrids. Uh, Lightning Hybrids uh, just... Uh, uh, had a uh, program they did with a local bus company, Kiesling Transportation, and some hybrid buses, which the whole concept of a hybrid bus is a little bit a little bit different. And a little bit later on, we'll be talking with Brandon Sturgis. He is a um, Michelin test driver and safety expert who can help us with some well, little comments about getting your car ready for the holiday weekend. Also, we'll be uh, talking about the, I guess the, the latest airbag recall and what and what people are saying what you should and shouldn't do if you happen to drive a uh, Honda vehicle. And we will also be uh, reviewing the all new Buick Casada or Cascada, or it's a very hard to pronounce name. But we will be uh, we'll be reviewing that as well, and then going over some of the uh, different news about. What's new in the industry? But the uh, the Buick is a is a pretty interesting car. It's um, you know it's a it's a convertible, and we haven't we haven't seen a, a convertible from Buick in I think since the Buick Riata. So we'll talk about that. And it's um it's a pretty nice car. We'll get to that. We'll get to that in just a bit. And of course, and of course, we want to. Uh, talk to you about your car, your car problems. Um, maybe you're having a problem and maybe we can help you solve it. And this will be a good test. To, let's see if the phones work. Robert, good morning. Good morning, John. How you doing? Good. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, happy Independence Day. Same to you. Yeah, I have a concern. I think you've probably seen a commercial typical Ford Chevy rivalry. Uh, it's about the bed when they drop in bricks and such and the tail's in the bed of the Ford versus the Chevy. Yep. Now, I was on the understanding that the uh, bed in the floor was steel, the bulkhead, the tailgate, and all the inside is all steel, not aluminum. Is that correct or not? That's the way I understand it. Is Now, it's kind of funny. Here's the funny thing about this. When I first saw the first Ford that said it was going to be aluminum alloy, it was actually all the substructure. It was a subframe, uh, the, uh, actually not the subframe, but the frame that went from the cab forward was all aluminum. Part of the rear frame was all aluminum. So a lot of the reinforcements were aluminum. And then all of a sudden, 
somewhere along the line, they decided to make the frame all out of steel and make the body out of aluminum. So from from what I can tell, and I haven't spent a lot of time with these new aluminum trucks, is it's the outside skin. So the inside bed is steel. The outside skin is aluminum. Yeah, but those commercials, I mean, they're showing a totally destroyed bed. I mean, why would you buy a truck if they're going to cut a hole in it and ruin the thing? Yeah. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny because um, there has been some weird, you know, if you spend any time on the Internet, there's been some weird stuff. It showed, a, it showed a picture where it looked like the bed had totally broken in half. Now, I'm not sure, you know, where that one came from. Um, you know, aluminum isn't all that unusual. You know, we've been, you know, way back in, you know, in the 60s, uh, the original uh Land Rovers, like the ones you used to see in, you know, the the old uh, African safari movies, those were all made out of aluminum, and the and the the frame was steel. And as they got old, the frames rotted out, and the bodies didn't. But so, and you know, Buick had a lot of aluminum pieces in it. Uh, Jaguar today has a lot of aluminum in it. So we're seeing a lot of aluminum. Uh, but you're right. Why would you make? You know, you think of aluminum as being soft, but it's actually an aluminum alloy. It's the same alloy that they. Um, that they reinforce uh, some of the Humvees with, so it is actually it is actually an aluminum, but it's an aluminum alloy that's really really strong and rugged. Uh, in fact, they uh, some of those um, some of those ships that run through Alaska for salmon fishing that look like they're just a, a big silver barge, they're actually made out of a similar aluminum alloy. So really rugged, really strong. But it's my understanding that the the inside part of the Bed. And I could be completely wrong because it seems like every time I look at it, it seems to be different. But the inside part of the bed is is steel. It's part of the outside. Some of the outside panels are aluminum. So right. it seems like they keep changing their story a little bit. Yeah, that was my understanding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm not trying to uh, promote Ford. I prefer the Chevy over it, but that's another story. Well, you know, it, you know, it's funny. It used to be, and uh, um, and. Jay Davidson, who I actually haven't heard from for a little while, actually. Jay Davidson, old car guy, he always used to say, you know, if you're going to buy a car, buy a Chevy. If you're going to buy a truck, buy a Ford. And I remember he sent me an email a couple of years ago and said, I think I'm changing my mind on that. I think I'm kind of liking the, I think I'm kind of liking the Chevy trucks. And I know a couple of years ago I did something that was almost like a back-to-back comparison of and it was only by it wasn't by design it was just by kind of sheer luck it happened and i drove the chevy the ford f-150 the nissan titan and the toyota tundra i don't think i drove drove the ram in that group and it was within probably eight weeks i drove four full-size trucks and somebody said to me oh you had to like the toyota best and i'm like no i gotta tell you i like the chevy best it rode smoother it got better gas mileage and now i wasn't towing anything with it but i said it seemed like it had the ability to tow now you know uh Junior D'Amato, great guy, knows a lot of stuff. He's like, oh, I hate the way the engine shuts off from four to eight cylinders. It drives me crazy. I can feel it happening. Um, some people, are, you know, some people like different things better than others. But I got to tell you, the Chevy Chevy truck, I was pretty happy with. Um, the the I was talking to a guy last week who bought a. a late model Ford with the EcoBoost, he said pretty happy with it, not that happy with the fuel economy, so I don't know the the the, um, the V8 the V8 engine in the Chevy I think does a good job It's it's so far it's been good and dependable and everybody said, oh it's a Toyota, you love the Tundra and I'm like, eh, not that much 
I, you know, it was. They're all good trucks. I mean, you can't go wrong with any of them. But I think marginally, some are a little better than others. Yeah, so I may say, you know, if I can spend a few more minutes with it. Sure. Uh, you know, in my experience with trucks all, all my life, I've had three Fords, I've had three Chevys, and the worst Chevy was better than the best Ford. Really? I still like the Chevy. Of course, you know, we're talking the different, you know, the ages and the mm-hmm. years. So, you know, it's been a bad time before, but, you know, the Chevys are much better all around. And yeah. I still like them. Now, I have a Ram. Which I like. It's been it's really my last two Chevys. So mm-hmm. you know, I'm kind of torn. If I have you know I have two kids, I can't favor one over the other. I actually like them both equally. You know. Well, yeah, you shouldn't, you know, if you if you're gonna, it's okay, it's okay to like them both. And, and the 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 latest, you know, Ram did some smart, you know, they did some smart stuff. You know, they they moved the shocks out a little bit further, give it a better ride, coil springs instead of leaf springs in some of them. Um, you know, pretty comfortable interiors. And years and years ago, um, and this was I don't know how many years ago, fifteen maybe, when it was Dodge instead of Ram. They did something pretty smart. They actually went to a construction site where they were building a huge building, uh, you know, a quarter of a million square foot building. And they went around and they looked in all the contractors' trucks. And they kind of looked and they said, wow, you know, they want extra power points because they got, you know, cell phones and computers plugged in. They want good interior storage. They want hidden storage compartments. You know, even where they were putting cup holders, they're like, yeah, we put the cup holder in the truck and everybody's using someplace different other than where we wanted to put them. And they really took a bunch of notes to figure out how people, how real working people were using working trucks. And they actually said, geez, we probably should have done this earlier. Yeah, Chrysler did have a lot of uh, good ideas. You know, yeah. Right yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and it's funny. I was talking to somebody the other day about um, uh, delivery trucks, you know, you know, little box trucks and things like that. And we were talking about uh, some Ford uh, trucks versus some of the, like, Hino's and some of those. And they said, yeah, you know, I really want to buy a Ford. But he said, I... I my Ford was broken, and I had to take this Hino truck out. And he said they did a lot of things thoughtfully, like they put grab handles where we wanted to put them. They put places to put clipboards, and some of the things that the the Ford truck just, you know, which he said it was a good enough truck, although they had early on transmission problems. But uh, but they said you know they seem to have thought through about more of the people that are in it than the vehicle itself, which, I mean, if you're going to be in it, especially if you're going to be in a truck 12 or 15 hours a day, you want you want to be able to find places to put all your stuff yeah, and your work and all that. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. Hey, thanks, Robert. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Our phone number is 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. Um, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about hybrids and um, with us on the phone is the president and CEO of Lightning Hybrids he, his name is uh, Tim Reisner and uh, well you know I got a couple of questions for Tim good morning Tim and uh, and you know it's it's one of those things that Lightning Hybrids first off I think fast but uh, good morning and welcome to Boston Good morning. Glad, glad to be here. Glad to be, glad to be talking to Boston. Well, and uh, you just you guys uh, just made a, a deal with uh, it was a mid-sized bus company here in, in Boston, right? 
Yes, and we've been working with uh, uh, these folks for, for several years. In fact, we have a, a long-standing bet on every Broncos and Patriots game. We're, we're in Colorado headquarters here. Um, but the folks at, at TISO have been uh, extraordinary, uh, early adopter, really innovative thinking people who spend a lot of time thinking about how do they serve their customers better, how do they be better community partners. And so uh, they spend a lot of time with us, and we spend a lot of time with them And one thing hybrids, most people think of hybrids as, you know, it's got a battery or it's got a giant capacitor or it's got, it's got something, but yours are really different, right? Yeah, so just to take a step back and what we're trying to do with a hybrid, because that's not always necessarily obvious, is we are effectively taking the, the breaking energy that is usually uh, lost of heat. So normally when you're driving a vehicle and you hit the brakes, you're losing that energy to heat. And also, incidentally, to break dust, uh, which isn't real good for the environment either. But you're creating brake dust, uh, you're wearing out your rotors and your brake pads, and you're creating heat, and that's where that energy is lost to. What we're doing with a hybrid is capturing that braking energy, storing it, and then using it the next time you accelerate. So essentially, we're adding free what we got for free, because everybody else throws it away. We're capturing and storing that and using it to accelerate. That usage of the energy means that we uh, effectively can save a lot of, of gasoline because we're taking that, that energy we got for free and using it during the acceleration of that where you're, you're throwing away the most amount of fuel. Um, and it also means we reduce emissions uh, significantly. The thing about that is not necessarily intuitive, but if you've ever followed a big truck around, a big bus around, you notice when they take off from a stop sign or take off from a stoplight, that's where you see the big black plume of smoke. And that's totally eliminated by our system because we're using that stored braking energy for that acceleration rather than using the engine. So you get both of those benefits. And, and to your point, what we're doing is uh, effectively using uh, a hydraulic storage me uh, mechanism, which is uh, basically uh, a fluid that is pressure in a pressure vessel uh, against a, a gas rather than using a battery for that storage. So I tell people to think of it a lot like when you take a buses are sort of the smaller coach bus, they're not the Greyhound style bus or the big transit buses, buses we see, right? Yeah, correct. Uh, the, uh, most markets call them a paratransit bus in this case because they are uh, they have a wheelchair accessible ramp and they're what's often used uh, to carry people from nursing homes and to carry people from, uh, uh, for example, in the doctor's offices and, and physical therapy and those sorts of things. So different than the big 
commercial bus or transit bus uh, that gets really poor gas mileage, these things don't do too well either. Uh, what does going with the real hydraulic hybrid system do to the overall fuel economy? So what we typically are looking at, and, and you're exactly right, it's really an interesting point that we haven't thought about. If you take the big 50-passenger transit bus uh, that you see operating in downtown Boston, um, that bus might get uh, four or five miles per gallon running at a engine, um, these shuttle buses often don't get much better than that. Sometimes they're usually in the six to eight mile per gallon, um, running along city streets, they stop a lot, and start a lot, they have, uh, so they need, and they can, uh, in many cases, uh, it's a, you know, a payload of passengers, so they have to have some power to do it. Um, they also have to be able to operate uh, season-wide and be able to go up hills and that sort of thing. So you still have a big engine. In most cases, they're gasoline engines instead of diesel. But nonetheless, they don't get much better fuel mileage. So you're talking about somewhere on the 6 to 8. And our goal is to take that 6 to 8 and make it 8 to 12. So, uh, and again, those numbers don't sound huge because people say that my shuttle bus gets 12 miles per gallon instead of 8. It still sounds terrible. But in fact, that that essentially is a 50% increase in that case. And it makes a very uh, significant difference when you think about the fact that these buses run, in many cases, two full shifts a day. So you're talking about 16 hours a day. um, And in many cases, never shut the engine off. They're just constantly going. Um, And you start to realize how much fuel is burned compared to an average consumer. Maybe you've got an average consumer driving a a, a Chevy Tahoe around. They might drive it there 20 miles a day to work and 20 miles a day back. Whereas some of these buses drive... uh, 100 miles a day, and, and in some cases even 200 miles a day. So they burn a lot more fuel, and, and when you think about it in that respect, you can see how uh, buses and trucks today, uh, in fact, in, many, in, in Boston today, I think I was reading the other day that uh, just order of magnitude numbers, um, buses and trucks make up uh, somewhere on the order of, of uh, um, 8% of the population of vehicles, but they create 35% of the pollution. Um, especially the pollution that causes asthma as well as the pollution that causes greenhouse gas. And, and so, that's, so you can get an idea. And part of that reason is exactly your point. Um, these buses and trucks drive a lot more miles. They're on the road every day. They're, they're constantly going. They don't just take somebody to work and then park for the day. They're, they're uh, moving and driving and buying fuel all the time. And uh, you, you brought up the point about uh, emissions. The emissions go down, uh, you know. So it's not just it's not just fuel saving to uh, Keesling. It's also good for everybody, good for the environment. I know way back when when they were building the big dig. You know, good or bad, no matter what you think about it, there was so much truck traffic then with construction, asthma rates actually went up for the kids that lived in that neighborhood. And you don't think about those kind of things when you think about, you know, city buses and, and, and you know, what comes out of the tailpipe sometimes, is it can really have uh, an immediate effect in people's health quality. Exactly, and we spend a lot of time thinking about it. Historically, many people have talked about greenhouse gas, and obviously there's a long debate over uh, whether or not there's climate change related to greenhouse gas. But we put that that argument aside for the moment and just say, let's talk about human health and asthma. And virtually all of your radio listeners um, probably have a a relative, a close relative within one degree of freedom who has asthma or a major lung problem. And so it's very, very common, especially in in urban areas across the world today. 
and, and certainly it's widely known that the association of that asthma is, is to, to air pollutants. And so when you look at air pollutants like uh, particulate matter, which is the black smoke you see coming out of trucks and buses, um, and even the stuff you don't see, and you think about, you know, you've heard that the world starts to get more concerned about NOx uh, pollution, which is what creates the the uh, uh, asthma particulates that stay in the air and kind of float around the air that cause people lung challenges. That's the stuff that by moving to a hybrid solution uh, like what we do, um, all of that is dramatically reduced, not just because we're reducing fuel use, but because we're reducing the fuel use when most of those pollutants are created. So in, in all vehicles, most of those pollutants are created during the acceleration event. So if you can use the braking energy that you captured and stored to do that acceleration rather than your internal combustion engine to do that acceleration, the emissions difference is, is in fact much uh, much more significant than just the fuel savings. Um, so people are shocked when they say, well, the fuel savings might be 25%, but the emission savings can be 50 to 95%. It surprises people, but the reason why is uh, it's created during that acceleration cycle, which is what we're impacting. So the air quality impact is significant, and you look across the number of vehicles that a company like Keith and has, um, they, they're making a huge impact statement and, and a huge, really legitimate, sincere uh, impact by saying, hey, we're going to make this investment in, in uh, the technology. Uh, you, you multiply that across, they now have 67 vehicles. It, it is uh, a true material that does make a difference and, and make a difference in, in health and welfare in, in Boston. And are these retrofits, or are they retrofitting their fleet, or are they buying new vehicles and then installing new technology on them? How does that work? We do both, and Keystone has done both. So uh, the vehicles they purchased last year that were new vehicles going on new routes, uh, those vehicles were new vehicles, and we put the system on them uh, as they came off the assembly line where the buses were built in uh, uh, Indiana, our systems were installed in Indiana as those came off the line. Uh, these new systems that they just purchased are uh, largely all going to be retrofit, and those will be installed and retrofitted uh, in the Boston area um, using uh, uh, Boston Library. So it's neat that obviously there's a good story around uh, creating jobs and the opportunity that's here. Um, so those will be retrofit, uh, meaning that they're installed on uh, currently deployed buses. Um, many of that will occur off hours to make sure that the Keysling uh, does not, that their customers don't see any impact from, from buses not being available. So we'll, we'll do the retrofits uh, typically at night. Um, but it takes uh, about half a, half a day equivalent to do a retrofit so uh, the vehicles don't have to lose any, any time servicing their customers. How did, how did Keysling and Lightning Hybrids find each other? So uh, one of Lightning's very first distributors uh, is a group in uh, Attleboro named uh, National Fleet Hybrids. And National Fleet also not only is a distributor for Lightning Hybrids, but also provides a, a brand product to the customers who want things that are smaller than, than buses. Um, 
from many of the unique fan products when you think about uh, anywhere from uh, fans that have higher roofs or fans that carry more people, uh, National Fleet, uh, and uh, National that makes those kind of vans. So, uh, Glenn Perlman, the uh, CEO of National Fleet, had signed up to be one of our early distributors. Again, a, you know, another individual who reached out and really, really saw a vision and wanted to be an early adopter and make a difference. And so, uh, Glenn, one of his customers who had bought buses and vans from him in the Boston area was uh, Keithling. And so, Glenn facilitated that relationship and that partnership with all of us, and, and it's been, been great ever since. Do you see this technology adapting to? other commercial vehicles, whether it's UPS trucks or um, construction vehicles or, or everything in between? Yes. So we do today have uh, our product uh, worldwide on things ranging from trash trucks or, as they say, in the overseas refuse trucks. <laughs> um, so we, we today are on refuse trucks. We are on delivery trucks uh, like UPS and DHL uh, trucks. Um, and we're also on, on almost any kind of package or people mover that you can imagine. But the best application for it, obviously, because our benefit comes from recovering braking energy, something that's just driving down the highway between you know, two rural areas uh, doesn't uh, receive a lot of benefit from our product. Um, but anything in an open environment, anything that stops and goes, whether it's a, a lot of stoplights and stop signs or whether it's a, a combination of stoplights, stop signs, and stops, pulling stops like delivering packages or delivering people, uh, tend to be good solutions. Our product today is uh, fitted for uh, over 25 different platforms in the United States. That's uh, platforms like Ford and General Motors and Freightliner. Um, in uh, worldwide, it's platforms like Mercedes-Benz, Graf, um, Tata, so some of the names we don't hear, hear very often that are big names overseas. Our product is, is uh, upfitted for retrofit and for new on all those different platforms and works today. So then it's just a matter of application, meaning, you know, is this something that stops and starts in terms of, of making it a good, good fit for us? Now, this, uh, this is going to be a whole new meaning to me when I see one of Keeson's uh, buses running around. I'm going, to, I'm going to have to pay a little bit more attention and know that there's a lot more technology in this. Absolutely. One of the other things that I think is obvious that, uh, that we're excited about, too, is there is a safety aspect to this. As you can imagine, with the kind of passengers that are on the Keystone buses, they've always taken great care to think about the safety aspect. One of the things that hybrids bring to the table is uh, better braking and uh, better acceleration response in terms of how you get into traffic and how you manage traffic. Um, so we, in addition to the things we talk a lot about, um, the, the obvious efficiency gains that you think of when you think of a hybrid, even when you think of a hybrid car, you think of efficiency emissions, but there is a true benefit in terms of braking. Um, there's also a few nuances people haven't thought about, like brake dust. Uh, there's some articles out today, and we've got a blog on our website that talks about brake dust being a significant air pollutant in urban environments that has kind of been forgotten. Um, we, we create almost no brake dust because our system is doing the braking of doing the braking and capturing that rather than using your disc or drum brakes. So you don't have brake dust, um, but also there's no brake fade in, in heavy traffic. The vehicle stops significantly shorter, um, so you, you get better safety in all of aspects. So a lot of additional technology benefits to, to uh, the Keystone buses. And 
in the Portland that work product together is we've got a, a very sophisticated telematics solution that uh, integrates with the other things Keystone is doing where they've got onboard cameras and onboard billing solutions. We're adding this onboard product for them to be able to, to look at the drive cycles of the vehicles, managing real time the fuel economy, look at how they can improve fuel economy through driver training um, and changing routes and that sort of thing. So really, uh, exactly as you're saying, John, kind of the sophistication even goes beyond just capturing brake and, and some of the obvious benefits. There's a lot of tertiary benefits that, that uh, Keystone is excited about as are we. Yeah, and it really is. I mean, you talk about you know the, the reducing brake dust, which also means reduced maintenance for uh, those buses as well. So brakes are going to be lasting a lot longer, less time in the shop, less wear and tear. Uh, it sounds like a win all the way around. If people want to find out more information about Lightning Hybrids, uh, just like that, lightninghybrids.com? That is correct. So those were the plans, L-I-G-H-T-N-I-N-G-Hybrids, uh, the, the, so certainly on the website, and with that website, there's videos, there's uh, um, key, it, it, it's easy for somebody to get a good flavor, so definitely a, a great place to go for more information. And like you said, there's a little blog there too, right? So uh, all kinds of all kinds of good stuff there, and I don't. It, it almost sounds like you have a little bit of an engineering background, uh, so you understand that football pressure does change when the temperature gets colder, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And we uh, uh, we have an ongoing now with with uh, uh, the Kingston brothers and with, with Nashville State uh, an ongoing set of of uh, friendly competition. And the last uh, about two years ago, I was able to come. After the, the Patriots game there uh, in Boston, and then last year the team, everybody was able to come out here to the, the Broncos game in the snow uh, in Denver. So uh, it, it is a very fun and friendly competition, and it's it's enjoyable between between our teams to, to enjoy being in the same league. So we're looking forward to it again this year, and but who knows how to turn out? Lots of change here in Denver, so we don't take anything for granted. <laughs> Tim, thanks for taking some time out of your Saturday morning to join us up here in Boston. And, uh, you know, in spite of, you know, which, which team you got to root for. Uh, thanks, very, thanks very much and enjoy the holiday weekend. Thank you. You too. Have a great day, John. Thank you very much. Well, we'll take a break, pay some bills. My name is John Palmas, the Paradoctor Program. You're listening on AM 950 WROI, the Spirit of Boston, or AM 1260 WBIX, the Business Buzz. Well, I left Kentucky back in 49 and went to Detroit working on the assembly line. The first year they had me put the wheels on the Cadillac. Every day I'd watch them beauties roll by and sometimes I'd hang my head and cry. Cause I always wanted the one that was long and black. One day I devised myself a plan that should be the envy of most any man. I'd sneak it out of there in a lunchbox in my hand. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing during the decline in the U.S. economy, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800 273 
1035. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-273-0135 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-273-0135 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-273-0135. Do you dread the car buying experience? Would you like to save time, money, eliminate stress, and positively know you got the best deal possible? Welcome to the ultimate buyer experience from the professionals at the Car Consultancy. With over 20 years of car buying know-how, Ira and his team will create a great car buying experience for you by negotiating and handling all of the details from start to finish. For more information, go to thecarconsultancy.com or call 800-280-3517. That's 800-280-3517. Honda Cars of Boston is Greater Boston's neighborhood Honda dealer with over 800 new Hondas available to choose from. Just five minutes from Boston on Route 99 in Everett, our beautiful new showroom makes your Honda Cars of Boston experience even better. Visit online at hondacarsofboston.com and see all of our tremendous purchase, lease, finance, and certified pre-owned specials. Honda Cars of Boston on Route 99 in Everett is the place for great buys from the Honda guys. Give them a call at 1-800-65-HONDA. WROL Boston. You're listening to The Car Doctor. It certainly is a ragtop day, and uh, we're actually going to be reviewing a ragtop, as it turns out. So, uh, Karen, good choice of music there. And uh, for those who weren't listening last week, Marita has not moved on, but she is. Uh, she's now working during the week. Uh, producing one of the shows on the business uh, channel, 1260, where you can also listen to my program again on Sunday nights around 9 o'clock. It's sort of an abbreviated version. Uh, Typically, it's a little bit older programs. It's not the same one you hear on Saturday, so if you want to tune in and listen, there's some interesting things, and of course, you'll be able to find out where I say, what a beautiful snowy day or something like that, so you'll know it's not exactly live, but uh, it's still interesting in its its own way. Um, I'm I'm glad I... um, you know, I'm 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 glad uh, I made the uh, the president and the CEO of uh, Lightning Hybrids laugh about my comment about air pressure. By the way, but when it comes to convertibles, there seems to be fewer choices these days. These days, the Mustang, Camaro, are great cars. If you like that muscle car look, then there are luxury cars like the Audi A4 and A5 and various models from BMW. All great cars. But if you're looking for an adult car in the thirty thousand dollar range, your choices are limited. One car that fits nicely into that price range and style is an all-new Buick. And it has it has the weirdest name. It's a Buick Cascada, 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 Cascada. 
Kuwait. They, they make it stumble all over it, but it's actually spelled C-A-S-C-A-D-A, which you would think it's Cascada, but it's not. It's actually kind of a hard K in the middle, so it's uh, Cascada. I don't know. It's a pretty good car, no matter how you pronounce it. It's a four-seat convertible. It has a four-cylinder turbocharged 1.6-liter engine that makes about 200 horsepower. It's connected to a six-speed automatic transmission. The brakes are four-wheel anti-locks, and our model was the 1SP model with the full technology package, and that included front and rear braking assist, rear vision camera, rain-sensing wipers, lane departure warning, remote vehicle start, and a seven-speaker audio system with navigation. The interior of this car is decidedly upscale with... uh, Higher quality features throughout. The perforated heat reflecting seats are comfortable, and the optional heated seats and steering wheel probably be nice on a cool day if you have the top down. The seats are generally comfortable, although a bit short on under thigh support. And if you're very tall, you might find legroom a little bit limited. At six feet tall, I was comfortable. If I was six foot four, maybe not as much. Um, you know, one of the upscale features I didn't expect was a seatbelt presenter. So what's a seatbelt presenter? It's a little arm that reaches over and hands you the seatbelt so you don't have to spin around as much to reach for that seatbelt and put it on. Um, you see those in, like, Mercedes SL models. So I'm surprised it wasn't a patented thing, but it, it was uh, something that... Uh, um, is nice and it also it kind of removes the trip hazard. A lot of times what happens is they have the seat belt on a little loop on the front seat so it's easier to find. Well what happens if you're letting somebody get into the back seat they have to sort of trip over that seat belt to do it. This actually keeps the seat belt backwards so somebody can get in and out of the back seat a little bit easier. So uh, kind of nice. The controls are all generally simple and straightforward with the exception of the infotainment system which seemed a bit awkward uh, with some of the functions. It looks it looks like if they cut corners a little bit it was a little bit with the instrument panel and the navigation system um, just wasn't quite the upscale uh, look that I wanted but then again it's not really an upscale I hate to say it but 30 35,000 isn't upscale anymore it seems like it used to be but this is closer to the typical transaction price of cars today uh, like all convertibles, is uh, the view out the rear window is somewhat limited. There are some blind spots, but they all disappear with the top down. Top up, it's a quiet car. You never know it was a convertible. Uh, with uh, the top down, there's a little buffeting in the cabin, but not bad. Also, the top goes up and down at about 30 miles an hour or so. So if you're slowing down because of starting to rain, you can actually get the top closed. And it closes in, if I had to guess, 20 to 25 seconds, something like that. So uh, again, kind of a kind of a nice thing. This, the top uh, stows nicely out of sight, but it does take up some room in the trunk. There's a panel that flips down that if you have the top uh, in its retracted position, you flip it up. And it actually, I was going to, I was going to, um, I was going to criticize the trunk space, but as long as you have the, as long as you're not planning on putting the roof down, the trunk is actually roomier than I thought it was going to be. When I first looked, I said, "Ooh, this is going to be a little bit tough." But uh, with the, we flip that panel up. It's actually pretty deep, and the rear seats do fold for longer items. So if you're putting a big suitcase or something in there, you could fold the rear seats down, and of course, the rear seats are good storage too. Uh, so it, uh, so top stores uh, neatly out of sight. Um, the ride's firm, but not harsh, even with the large 20-inch uh, wheel and tire package. There is a spare. It's a little compact spare. It sits under the floor. Again, something I didn't really find until I moved this panel, and uh, there was this little tiny spare. 
So at least it does have a spare, which is nice to see. The brakes are powerful and easy to modulate. Acceleration from the 200 horsepower four-cylinder engine is good. Not a performance car or a hot rod, but more of a cruiser. Accelerate hard. There's a little bit more noise in action, but what do you expect from a 1.6 liter engine? And it makes 200 horsepower. So again, not, you know, pretty decent performance. Uh, using my uh, wife's Volkswagen as a comparison, her car, similar size engine, 1.8 liter, makes about 170 horsepower. Um, you notice this has a bit more zip to it, but nobody tried to call the Volkswagen a performance car either. Um, fuel economy, it's okay. Um, 20 miles per city, 27 on the highway. My driving has been so far mostly highway driving. It's about 26 or 27. So it's right around the highway numbers. Uh, not in a, you know, doesn't claim to be an economy car, but 20 city, 27 highway. You know, 25 years ago, that would be phenomenal fuel economy. Uh, but today, we're looking at fuel economy in a lot of cars is typically higher. Cabin storage is okay. A small center bin, glove compartment, some cup holders. Um, they seem a little bit of an afterthought. They're a little further back than what you would normally find comfortable. If you slide the cover for the little center console forward, it interferes with the cup holders. There is a nice little bin right in front of the shifter where you can put things like sunglasses or a cell phone or things like that. And the bin is angled downward, which is kind of nice, so it keeps things from rolling around, which I like. It has this ha- this model does not have uh, keyless start. It actually uses ignition key. Uh, so uh, again, sort of, and I don't know what the next if if there is a next model up if it does have something like that. Uh, like I said, the the trunk is smallish and gets smaller with the top down, but. Better than I expected. Once I actually really took a little time and looked at the trunk, and also in the trunk of this car there is a um, windscreen that you can put up uh, about where the rear seat would go that l- eliminates some some additional air coming into the car. I don't think it's really necessary. I thought it was. Uh, I've driven the car back and forth to work on the highway a couple of days and found it. I found it pretty comfortable at the top down. The bottom line is this is certainly one of the most uh, stylish cars, not just convertibles from Buick, but a stylish car in general. Now, $36,000, which was the price of our test car, isn't cheap, um, but everyone who looked at this car thinks it's a much more expensive car. <coughs> in fact, um, two different people that looked at it said thought the price was really good. So um, they looked at it and said, "Oh, really? Just thirty-six thousand? And I th- and you can actually buy the car without the tech package for a little bit less. Our car was uh, considered the uh, it was it was the one SP premium package, and just to kind of go over what that really means: two maintenance visits for oil and filter, four-wheel tire rotation, six years, seventy thousand mile powertrain warranty, four years, fifty thousand mile bumper to bumper warranty." Again, it's that 1.6 liter engine. Stabilitrack, stability control, includes traction control, four-wheel anti-lock disc brakes, airbags for the driver, passenger, frontal, knee, and side impact airbags, tire pressure monitors, which every car has now, electronic parking brake, which is a little bit different. You know, not all cars have that still, but it's a push button, and it's and it's kind of interesting because although it's electronic, it's still mechanical. It's actually a, a motor that winds up a cable. Uh, auto on and off headlights, uh, front and rear parking assist, and the interior, again, some of the features in the interior, remote vehicle start, eight-way power, 
uh, a driver and passenger seat, which is a little unusual. A lot of times all you see is the uh, eight-way power on the driver's seat and manual passenger seat on cars sort of in this group. Again, a few things that you I didn't expect to see in a car in the $30,000 price range. Uh, I don't know what these heat-reflecting leather-appointed seats are. In fact, I'm not even sure what leather appointed really means. As our as our buddy from uh, from Hearts would say, Doug Hearts would say, it's leather where you sit. So it's probably not all the way around. Uh, Hearts and Hearts makes a lot of the interiors for all of the cars, or the material for a lot of the cars. And uh, 50-50 full rear seats, the dual zone climate control, which is nice if you have that constant argument with someone about it's too hot or it's too cold, you can fix that. Seven speaker sound system, which is nice. And again, our car, premium premium model uh, with all the connectivity features. It actually has 4G LTE hotspot. Uh, it has a trial of Sirius XM satellite radio. Uh, inside rear view mirror with auto dimming, you know, premium floor mats, leather wrapped steering wheel, power dual outside mirrors, again, the 20 inch alloy wheels. Um, $36,065 is what it comes right out at, and that's uh, that's fully delivered with the exception of destination. So it's, um, again, it's $36,000 isn't cheap, but most everybody that got in it kind of went, oh, I expected more like 45000 So Kind of interesting. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. If you want to call in and talk to us about your car and your car problems on this uh, holiday weekend. Three-day holiday weekend with 4th of July is a little bit unusual. We haven't usually it's spaced out a little bit more. People turn it into a four-day weekend. And based on traffic, well, I saw traffic everywhere on the ride home last night. 495, there was, uh, there was a concert going on at the Xfinity Center, or if you're old like me, Great Woods. Uh, which had traffic backed up on 495 all the way back to 95. So there was a fair amount of traffic uh, heading up to New Hampshire last night. I heard one of the traffic reports, and they were saying that, that traffic had a 22-mile backup headed up to the Hampton Tolls, so hopefully you're making up for that. Uh, federal safety regulators warned owners that 300,000 Honda and Acura owners shouldn't drive their cars until the airbags are replaced. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration said new tests show these airbags have a much higher risk of exploding and killing a driver or passenger. The risk for these particular cars is now greater than 50%, according to the agency. Other Takata airbags have less than a 1% chance of uh, causing damage. The risk risk posed by the airbag inflators in these cars is grave, and it's critical they are repaired now to avoid more deaths and serious injuries, said the agency. Statement: uh, There have been 10 U.S. deaths tied to exploding Takata airbags. I was talking to somebody with a Honda yesterday, and she'll be or remain nameless. And she said, I was watching news. They said there was hundreds of people that were killed. No, there's 10. Uh, eight of those deaths were in cars that had this specific airbag. The group of cars is a small subset of the cars with the Takata airbags that have already been recalled. Nearly 70 million airbags in the U.S. alone have been or will be recalled, according to the agency. That's nearly um, a quarter of the cars on the road, I guess. So it will take until 2019 to replace these airbags because the replacements aren't readily available. So it's the newer cars that were replaced last. The older cars are replaced first. And that's one of the reasons that they said these are cars that need to be parked is a pretty pretty severe statement. But they said if you own one of these cars, you need to park it. So what are these 300,000 high-risk cars? 2001 to 2002 Honda Civic. 
2001 to 2200 Accord, 2002 to 2003 Acura TL, 2002 Honda CRV, 2004 Honda Odyssey, 2003 Acura CL, and 2003 Honda Pilot. So if you own a Honda basically from 2001 to 2003, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration said you probably shouldn't drive it because it has a one out of two chance if you get into a collision that you are going to be seriously injured by the airbag. Now, up until this point, I was one of those people who said, if you have a Takata airbag equipped car, don't consider having the airbag disconnected. I don't think it's a good idea uh, because airbags have been shown to save so many more lives and even these defective ones, less than 1% chance, you're better off with the airbag doing what it's supposed to do. If I had a car and I knew that they couldn't, if I had to drive it every day and I knew they couldn't replace the airbag in the car, I think I'd want to find somebody who can disconnect it and get it out of, you know, get it so it isn't going to work. Uh, From what I understand, and I've only heard this from customers, I haven't seen anything written specifically about it. If you own a Honda product and you have a real concern about the airbag, they will let you rent a car through Enterprise and uh, so you'll have a rental car until your car is fixed. Again, I don't know. I don't know that much about that deal. I've only I've talked to people who, in fact, have said that and told me that that is definitely the case. So, again, I haven't heard that from Honda directly. I've only heard that from people that have gone into the Honda dealership and said, "What am I supposed to do?" And they said, "Here's here's a here's a card. Go the Enterprise and go rent a car." Well, the people from Car Gurus, uh, they did a study that showed which cities buy the most American car. With, uh, with Independence Day right around the corner, it's time to celebrate red, white, and blue, according to the folks at Car Gurus. And Car Gurus, the nation's fastest-growing car shopping website, today released its annual study identifying which cities have the most and least patriotic car shoppers. In other words, they identified which areas of the country are most likely to buy vehicles that are from American car companies. The top uh, six most and least patriotic cities are in a, a little chart that I'm going to get to in a minute. Detroit led the way for American shopping with the highest percentage of consumer interest in U.S. cars at 73%. And new to the top rankings this year is Buffalo, New York, and Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. The least patriotic city, San Francisco, shows only about 30%. So kind of from the top, most patriotic Detroit, Buffalo, St. Louis, Indianapolis, Oklahoma City, and Kansas City, the least patriotic, San Francisco, San Jose, Los Angeles, New York, San Diego, and uh, number six on the least patriotic list, Boston, with uh, Boston shoppers, 35% by American, 17% by German, 40% by Japanese, and 7% by something else which I would assume is Korean or Swedish, so which it gets kind of confusing because, well, they're Swedish, but they're owned by a Chinese company. If you're English, if you're buying a, well, I didn't include that, English, you're buying a Jaguar or a Land Rover, it's owned by Tata, an Indian company. If you buy a Chrysler, made them, you know, American-made, is whatever the commercial says, well, they're owned by a French company. So it gets a little confusing in there. But anyway, uh, thanks to uh, Ryan Wagner uh, uh, for Car Gurus to send me this information. 
how, how did they come up with this? Well, uh, for this study, Cargurus analyzed inquiries submitted to dealers on car listings for sale in 10 top metro areas in the continental United States beginning uh, of the year and comparing that with interest of brand origin American uh, cars and metro areas are ranked according to the percentage of total inquiries. Uh, it's funny, he kind of called me yesterday and asked me if I, I wanted to talk to somebody about that, and I kind of said, it's cute, but I don't know how much of a real story it is. So, I thought it was interesting. Hey, let's talk to our buddy Rick. Rick, good morning. Rick? We need to do some training. What, what, what's that? Uh, you know, um... I was, I was going to explain to her that uh, quite often I just just go on the air and ask, uh, no, I'm retired. It's, it's more frequent. Yeah, you can you can do whatever you want now. Yeah, well, uh, it's getting a little harder to remember that because I, you know, I'm not at work and I'm not in a regular schedule. <laughs> well, then, you know, my next door neighbor used to tell me that when you're retired, every night is Friday night and every day is Saturday morning. <laughs> well, I, I have. Thursday, I was a little confused because I was thinking of Friday and that, and that, you know, was sort of what's going on, with some things and that. But, um, did the, uh, were there any 98 um, Hondas on that list of uh, dangerous cars? There were not. There were not. It was, uh, it was 2000, the the oldest Honda was uh, 2001. And uh, were the Toyotas? That's my daughter's car. No, the Toyotas weren't on that list of doing something immediately. This was just the Hondas. Okay, I, I just I just thought I thought because because uh, you know my wife called and I was talking with her, you know, ha- half listening to you and that, but I'm mainly listening to her out of uh, survival tactics. Yeah, it's a good move. <laughs> and that, so I just wanted to double check on that. So, um, so okay, good. And I know. Okay, my uh, and you, I know you my play, 99 Honda motorcycle doesn't have an airbag. No, you're, you're good. You're good with that. So you're good with that. So you're planning a good ride for the weekend. Well, actually, I'm getting ready to go up to my chapter president because we're having a party out to, at his house today. Oh, good. So uh, you make an ice cream? Isn't that your specialty? Well, no, I didn't make any ice cream. In it. I, I tried uh, apple pie, and I, I guess I sat down while it was in the oven and forgot that it was in the oven. Uh oh. <laughs> wow, you really are starting to get into retirement. <laughs> and that, so, um, and that, but, uh, you know, so I'm getting ready to make a savers run and, um, just cap off a bunch of uh, stuff because we're downsizing a little bit. In there the you house. go, good for you. So, but, um, no, I, I want to double check on that. And, oh, by, I, by the way, I do hear that you do have airbags for motorcycles. It's called a jacket, and it's a sweating device. Well, they actually they actually had BMW for a while actually had an airbag that popped out of the tank. Uh huh. Yeah, and it was it was uh, you know it was just a prototype that they tried out. I don't think it ever made it to production, but they actually did have something. I understand that they actually made it to production with a some device that if you, you go down it it, it inflates your jacket. Wow. Up in your landing. Well, you know, that's, you know, where do most of the injuries happen? You know, they happen knees, shoulders, you know, so uh, probably probably makes some sense. Yeah, and, and that, and uh, you, may, you may, might land on the ground looking like a uh, uh, guy in a space suit because they're all puffed out or something like that. But <laughs> it's, you, know, it's, you know, somebody, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said, when you fall off your motorcycle, because at some point you will, and I said, I, you know, I, I 
prefer never to think about things like that. But you know, in in, in years past, uh, you know, I'm not a motorcycle rider anymore. Well, I guess I have a scooter. I guess you can still call that riding something. Uh, but when I had a motorcycle, yeah, one day I did come off of it, it going too fast, and um, you you do get bounced around a little bit. So yeah, yeah, I saw. Let's see, I've ended up in the hospital twice. I've gone down a few more times than that. And, you know, my wife doesn't like me to say it, but uh, I tell people that are considering riding a motorcycle, the question is not if you're going to have a question. The question is when are you going to have the accident? Right, right. And that, not and good that. things to think about. <laughs> well, actually, you know, it, it's not fun to think, just like, you know, how many people, you know, plan for their funerals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't done it yet. Yeah, I'm not not either. It's going to happen. Yeah. Well, it's funny. My wife at one point had an interest in, and she got her, we got her a little motorcycle, a little little tiny motorcycle, and she got her learner's permit, and we went helmet shopping, and, you know, the guy walks over to the, to the, uh, you know, $250 helmets, and my wife walked back over to the $30 helmets. And he said to her, you know, do you really want to put your head in a $30 helmet? What happens if you crash? And she said, I don't plan to. Uh-huh. So, you know, positive thinking, I guess, you know. It, it is positive thinking, and it's also just the, uh, um, probably the natural fear of the uh, um, nasty, the, the, the unpleasant. Yeah, exactly. And, and besides, my wife was younger and more adventurous then. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you still <laughs> yeah. have a motorcycle license? Pardon me? Do you still have a motorcycle license? I do. I do. I renew it. I renew it every five years. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. yeah. So, oh. let's see if we can get you to rotate the motorcycle one day. Once in a, you know, I, the closest I ever got, I was out at a, I was out at an automotive uh, test drive event out in the Poconos, and they had, uh, uh, they had some motorcycles there for road testing purposes, and I got on something that was way too much motorcycle for me, and I took it through the windy mountain roads of the Poconos, and I just realized how careful I really had to be. And then when I got on something kind of more manageable, you know, in the 500 to 600 cc range, I felt much more comfortable than something that was, you know, 1100 cc's and, you know, faster than anything I've ever driven, so... Yeah, I was, I was at an open house and they had the um, Victory motorcycles. Oh, yeah. Yep. Are you willing to ride a 1,700cc engine? Uh, you know, one of the lifting things that you need, you need to uh, meet to do a test drive? Mm-hmm. And they playing, I'm like, nope. <laughs> 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 I, I think I'd be willing. I just I don't think I think it would be that's a that's a that's a lot of engine and a lot of metal and a lot of weight and uh, yeah. um, you know I see some of the I see some of these uh, especially the Victory motorcycles they're they're bigger than some cars it looks like so yeah they probably have more power than some cars yeah oh, oh I wouldn't 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 be yeah, surprised at all and when you, you know actually the typical motorcycle has better acceleration than the typical car. Oh, oh, absolutely, without a doubt, without a doubt, you know. Because you're throwing in the weight factor. Yeah, yeah, you know, when you put, you know, when you put, a, you know, whatever it is, you know, 100 horsepower in something that weighs 700 pounds, and, oh, sure, oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Hey, Rick, enjoy enjoy the holiday weekend, but every weekend's a holiday weekend for you. Uh, not really, <laughs> things are changing. Oh, all right. Uh, I enjoy talking with you, and I look forward to... Uh, 
maybe not next week. I might not be able to get you because I'd be in Pittsburgh. But, uh, okay. All right. Okay. Take bye. care. Bye-bye. Let's talk to our buddy Tom. Tom. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing good, thank you. Your wife ought to live in Arizona. Why is that? When she rides the bike, she doesn't need a helmet. She doesn't plan on getting an accident. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think she. I think she's smart enough to know she needs a helmet. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And they had too many horror stories. Well, around here, there's a lot of horror stories. Yeah. You know, yeah. Somebody, some people don't know how to drive, and you get washed up on a motorcycle, and you get bumps in the road, and oh, oh, the the ro- the roads around here are, are a challenge, and they're not. They're certainly not getting any better. The only thing I will say that one of the things when I fell off a motorcycle going, you know, I was doing all the things wrong, I was on a road I wasn't familiar with, I was going too fast, I wasn't in a good mood, all of, all the things that get people sure. in trouble, yeah. and uh, uh, a guy, guy I know, Dale Quarterly, who's a, uh, who was a professional motorcycle rider, and uh, I guess still, you always are, and now he's, uh, he's uh, uh, he, he runs a team of uh, motorcycle racers, and he's kind of an interesting guy, I think he's in his... 50s, and I don't believe he's ever had a job in his life. Yeah. Um, you know, because between racing and building some parts and doing some other things, and for a while he was he had a Bush North car when that was a series, and and he always said to me the one thing you have to remember is if you ever fall off your motorcycle, get away from it because the motorcycle will slide forever, and if you push off of it, at least you roll to one side. And I thought of that as I was as I was on the ground basically and I pushed off the motorcycle I rolled to a stop pretty immediately the motorcycle I bet slid another you know 150 feet how'd you make out? um I could have been better (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know it was I thought I was okay um I got I got up and um by then an ambulance a fire truck and two police cars showed up and um I got up and uh I um I, I got up to sort of make sure everything worked yeah. So I stood up, kind of cleared my head a little, took my helmet off, and uh, then stopped for a second and realized my motorcycle was still running at full throttle because the, the throttle was pinned. But it took me probably 20 seconds to actually hear that. And then I got back on, and the police came, and the EMTs came, and they kind of looked at me, and they, I said, yeah, I think I'll ride home. And I kind of had to straighten the handlebars out a little bit, and it was, you know, Things that were broken on the bike. Were you wearing anything else, like a leather coat? I was wearing a pretty. I was wearing a pretty good jacket and and jeans, so that helped me a little bit. Sure. And um, but I was wearing a watch, and it actually the the street actually ground the watch right off my wrist. Um, But no real damage from that. But I went to get back on the bike, and the cop looked at me and said, "So you think you want to put your helmet on?" And I'm like, oh yeah. So I was still a little. I have to admit, I was still a little loopy, and, and maybe, and maybe to this day. And then I got home, and I kind of, you know, took my jacket off and took my shirt off, and then kind of went, eh, I got a couple of little gouges. I probably ought to go look at. And I only live, you know, a mile away from a hospital, so I went into the emergency room. And when I came back, I looked like I looked like the mummy when I came back. Oh, it was boy, like, yeah. it, it's like they had me wrapped in gauze all over the place. And my wife looked at me when I came home, and I said, oh, I fell off the motorcycle. She said, how are you? And I said, eh, a little dinged up, but I said, I'm okay. And when I came back, she was like, oh, my God, what happened to you? And I said, well, they made me better. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, I got a question for you. Absolutely. My old four Ford Ranger, talking yep. about the bed of the truck, it's got potholes in the truck there just rotting out. Mm-hmm. But that must be steel. 
Oh yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Do it. Yeah. And it's like why I don't know. I don't keep things in there. I don't transport anything. I don't do washers, dryers, or anything else like that. But anyway, uh, it was on a recall for the airbags. Mm-hmm. So I got a, a love letter in uh, in the mail this week saying, "Dear Tom, call your local Ford dealer. Make an appointment to get your airbag replaced. Mm-hmm. Your passenger side airbag." So I called my local dealer, and he goes. Nah, you don't want to come down here, he says. You just want to wait till you get another one. Really? What are you talking about? Well, you need one for the driver's side, too. Oh, all right. And I said, so don't you want to do this one first or while you have it? Nah, you're better off. I said, well, how long of time do you need the vehicle for? Hmm. And he says, well, to do what? He says, four hours. Is that all right? Um, to probably do the pasture one, I bet it is. The driver's side one, driver's side one's pretty straightforward. It basically just, you know... Half a dozen screws under the steering wheel. Where's the airbag? On the passenger side, it doesn't seem like you could find a place where it looked like it would pop out. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta take it, it's. It, you gotta take the whole dash apart. It either pops right out of the front of the dash or it pops out of the top of the dash. Some of them are top loader style, where they actually use the windshield to force the airbag backwards. Some of them, it's that pad, like right, kind of where the. Uh, so I should be able to see something that looks like where it would. Come it out. should. It should say somewhere. SRS, you know, a little ingrained in okay. some vinyl, they'll tell you where it is. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know, you talk about scooter. Uh, you probably know, uh, I mentioned before, I deal with MS, multiple sclerosis. Yep. Mm-hmm. My wife and I went on a cruise ship uh, three weeks ago. So I went to the scooter when you mentioned the scooter. I got yep. excited. And I used the scooter because, you know, the, the ship is like two, three football fields length. Right. A lot of walking. And I'm walking with two canes, so it's a little tough for me to get around. Yep. So I went to one of those. The thing was so thick and fast. <laughs> you know, it goes from a turtle to a rabbit. Oh, yeah. A little knob on there. And, you know, people getting in my way a little bit. My wife says, well, beat the horn. <laughs> I said, you kid. She goes, no. You beat the horn, it goes, me, me. I said, no, I want to get the air horns I used to have when I was on my boat. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, little, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, a little, diff, a little di- different scooter. But you know, I it's it's funny. I was looking up something yesterday, and an ad popped up. Like the interweb has ads that pop up for everything. And apparently, uh, you know, you you know, Segway had the thing that you stand on with the handlebars, and you go oh, yeah, back and forth. Thing. And then everybody came out with the sort of hoverboard things, the things with the two little wheels that you know either caught fire or people fell off of them all sure. the time. Well, Segway's come up with kind of a uh, an between version and it has this little post that kind of comes up between your knees and it has I think it has 10 inch tires on it and the thing goes between 3 and 6 miles an hour and you kind of steer it by leaning on the post with your knees and I looked at it and I said this thing's kind of intriguing looking and it's you know a thousand dollars it should be but apparently you can ride it for 14 miles or something before it needs to be recharged and it showed it driving you know it showed it in a lot of weird places it showed it on city streets but it also showed it as um as a way to get around warehouses and places like that where you know you need to go from one end of the warehouse to the other i was at i was at the uh, sullivan tire has a built a brand new warehouse down in taunton and i gotta tell you it's one of the biggest buildings i was ever in and i said to one of the guys I know, Chris Oxner, I said, how do you go from one end to the other? I said, if you need to run down to check something really fast, he's like, we got bicycles. 
nice. Yeah, so they actually they get on a bicycle and they they ride down to the end. He said, even though everything's barcoded and and tagged and you know everything's electronic inventory, still you know when you when you're looking for one or two of something, you still want to check and make sure it's still physically there. Right. And the the idea the idea that to run from he said to walk from one end to the other take you 15 minutes, but you can zip down on a bicycle and come back. And I thought that you know that was a uh, kind of interesting. Well, that's so. funny. I'm going to use that information you gave me. A good friend of mine is a manager. Oh yeah. His name's Steve. He works for Sullivan Tires, and uh, we used to play hockey together. Oh okay. And since then, he's gained a few pounds, like the rest <laughs> of us. Haven't we all? Yeah. So I'm going to tell him it may be a good place for him to go and use the bike. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You know, it's funny. You know, the guy said about the motorcycle. I said yeah, I rode a motorcycle before with a 750 Honda four-stroke. Yep. Nice bike. Bad. Gave yep. the hell out of me. Yep. You know, one of those things. You have a lot of respect for it. But after riding that, I said, the next time I get a motorcycle, it's going to have air conditioning, car windows, things like that. Until they come up with those options, I said, it's kind of dangerous, especially that's, around Massachusetts. That's going to be the next one? Well, you know, that's why a lot of people went to the, the three-wheel... Um you know the 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 one made po- by Polaris with the two wheels on the front, so you can just sort of sit down, be comfortable. And I've I've yet to ride one of those. But, I was gonna uh, say, it's like a little challenge, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Because I got a buddy of mine that rode a trike. Mm-hmm. And that does not work like a motorcycle. Yeah. No. All it's different. No, completely different. You're absolutely right. Have you tried one? I I have I have ridden a trike and I've ridden and I've ridden a motorcycle with a sidecar, but I've yet to ride one of these one of these ones with the two wheels in the front. That's just uh, yeah. that's a little that's a little bit different for me. Yeah, a friend yeah. of mine just came back from up in New Hampshire. They had a wild week up there with the, the oh, bikes yeah. up there back yeah. was it two weeks ago. Yeah, and he said it was a really good time up there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, Rick goes up there uh, with his. Uh, you know, he he belongs to a Christian motorcycle organization. He goes up there. He goes up there to try to keep people from getting in too much trouble. I guess. Oh, so, that's what my yeah. buddy's on. That's yeah. what he does. Yeah. No, so good are you stuff. Going for withdrawals right now? I guess Maria's gone. Uh, it's a little different with no Maria, but Karen's doing. Karen's going to be. Okay. Karen's going to be my full time person now. So she, she'll be great. Good. Hey, Tom. Thanks. Listen, have a great weekend. You as well. All right. Take bye-bye. care. Bye bye. We probably need to take a break and pay some bills. Why don't we do that? My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening at AM 950 WROL, The Spirit of Boston. Well, I left Kentucky back in 49 and went to Detroit working on the assembly line. The first year they had me putting the wheels on the Cadillac. Every day I'd watch the computers roll by and sometimes I'd hang my head and cry. Cause always wanted to one that was long and black. Living in and around Boston is expensive, but that shouldn't stop you from calling it home. City of Boston Credit Union is here to help with low-rate mortgages, home equity loans, first-time buyer programs, and more. And because they're member-owned, they treat each member like they want to be treated, like people, not credit scores. City of Boston Credit Union, uniquely Boston. For today's rates, visit cityofbostoncu.com or call 617-635-4545. Equal housing lender, all loans subject to credit approval, and MLS number 4034. Do you dread the car buying experience? Would you like to save time, money, eliminate stress, and positively know you got the best deal possible? Welcome to the ultimate buyer experience from the professionals at the Car Consultancy. With over 20 years of car buying know-how, Iron and his team will create a great car buying experience for you by negotiating and handling all of the details from start to finish. For more information, go to thecarconsultancy.com or call 800 280 
800-280-3517. That's 800-280-3517. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing during the decline in the U.S. economy, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-273-0135. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-273-0135 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-273-0135 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-273-0135. WROL Boston. You're listening to The Car Doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL and AM 1260 WBIX. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor. Well, with us on the phone is Brandon Sturgis. He's a Michelin test driver. And Brandon, what does a what's a Michelin test driver? What what, what does that actually mean? I guess that means I know a little bit about tires. I've been uh, been a test driver for for about ten years, so uh, I've had a little bit of experience uh, driving around and testing testing tires. And uh, you know, tires are the only part of your car that touches the road, so it's important they're in good shape, huh? That's right. Yeah, and um, you know, this this uh, this holiday weekend that we have upon us is going to be a real busy one. It's estimated that about forty three million Americans are going to be out on the road this weekend, which is expected to be the highest ever, and with that, AAA expects that they're going to have to rescue about 370,000 people from uh, from the side of the road this weekend, with one of the primary reasons being flat tires. So, you know, before any any road trip, it's really good to take a, to take a good look at your tires. Um, you want to make sure that you don't have any nails or screws in the tires. And you're also looking for adequate tread depth, and you want to make sure you have the proper pressure in your tires, too. Fortunately, at AAA, I only had to call the 43 million people to see what they were doing. I don't have to go out and rescue them. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But, yeah, I mean, we are predicting, uh, that's my uh, day job, if you will, is working at AAA, and we are predicting this is the busiest Fourth of July travel uh, record that we have ever recorded. So we expect it to be pretty busy out there. And, unfortunately, most people just get in the car, and they don't think much about anything other than their destination, which for a lot of people, this is, the, this is their real summer vacation, so they're heading out, and they're not, they're not thinking about tires or tire pressure or anything else. Um, what are some of the other things that you know people need to think about uh, when they think about their, car, their tires and their cars? So that's a, that's a good question. Um, myself, I'm an engineer uh, by trade. So with, with us being engineers, or with myself being an engineer, I like to like to be prepared. So with my car, there's definitely a, a, a list of things I like to go over once a month, or definitely before any long road trip. Uh, the first thing I can think of are your fluids. So definitely want to check the fluids underneath your underneath your hood. If uh, if you have a low fluid level. 
that could indicate a leak that you need to get taken care of before any before any trip. Um, another thing is your wiper blades. Wiper blades are one of the things that people forget about, but uh, but they need them when it starts to rain. So you can do a quick inspection of your wiper blade to see if you have uh, you have uh, uh, anything that's split or worn or torn. If the wipers look uh, look bad, it's best to just go ahead and replace them. Uh, uh, another thing that's really important on your car to, to inspect are your brakes. Um, it's sometimes a little bit difficult to get uh, to get in there and, and take a look at the brakes and, and inspect them, but if you hear a really high-pitched squeal, that is your brakes telling you that it's time to replace them. So those three things, along with your tires, if you give those uh, four items yeah, uh, a quick check before any long road trip or once a month, you're going to be doing yourself a, a good favor. And, of course, it's not going to rain while anybody's on vacation or over the 4th of July because we, you know, we don't want any soggy fireworks. But if it does rain, uh, what kind of advice as a professional driver can you give people? So the, the best thing to do when it's raining, or even if it's not raining, is to uh, to drive at a reasonable speed, drive around the posted speed limit. It's a difficult thing to do for me sometimes on the test track, but uh, but it's a little lesson I learned from one of my old coworkers that I, that I carpool with. Um, he was never in a hurry, he never drove aggressively, and he was always cool and calm behind the wheel driving down the road. So if it's raining, or even if it's not raining, the best thing to do is just to... Just be polite. Don't, don't get in a hurry. Don't drive aggressively, and uh, you'll, you'll have a safe Independence Day weekend. So, was there any like Miss Daisy jokes in there when you were carpooling? <laughs> <laughs> a, a little bit, you know. I just uh, I remember riding with him, and, and uh, after the first few months, I had to ask him. I said, Preston, you always drive so slow. And he said, Well, you know, I never get in a hurry, but. Uh, you know, it's always so relaxing just being behind the wheel, just kind of taking it easy and, and Preston never got into an accident and he never, never got a speeding ticket. So I learned a lot from Preston for sure. Yeah, it really makes, it really makes sense to, you know, especially, if, you know, you're heading out in a lot of cases, this really is vacation time for, for people. You're heading out, you're planning a great vacation. You know, why get into, you know, some sort of altercation and, you know, don't tailgate, leave plenty of room, you know, just, do the speed limit and relax and get there relaxed. Don't get there all tense. That's right. That's the best thing to do. That's that's the approach that I took after riding with Preston over those years. Yeah, I, I remember I had the opportunity once to drive with... Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it up and say I think it was I think it was Scott Sharp but I don't remember and we had to just go somewhere and he was he was uh, he was the slowest driver I ever drove with a professional race car driver and I said something to him about driving on the road and he said all these people are nuts out on the racetrack and these are all going in the same direction. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but the safest place to be is uh, is out there on the racetrack even though you're going uh, well above the posted speed limit. It's it's out there on the interstate is uh, that's probably one of the more dangerous dangerous places to be as a driver. Yeah. Um, people don't think a lot about their tires sometimes. Uh, they just know they're there, they're, they're round, they're black, they sit there. But uh, a lot of times people, and it may only be a couple of times a year, they might have an SUV and they tie a boat or a, or a camper trailer to the back of it. Uh, what do they need to be concerned about as far as whether it's uh, overloading just too much stuff in the trunk of the car or a pulling a trailer? Yeah, that's right. If, um, every single car has a maximum weight that it can it can haul or, or, or tow. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people don't have access to scales to actually to, uh, to accurately measure how much they're they're towing or they're hauling. But um, you know, just be mindful of the amount of weight uh, that that you're towing. If, if you're if you're towing a heavy trailer, know how much that trailer weighs and, and see if your vehicle is capable of doing that. Um, 
make sure you don't have the vehicle packed full of uh, 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 suitcases and, and bricks while you're also towing. So um, it's just it's just good to be mindful about the, uh, the the things that you have in your vehicle while you're going down the road, and especially when you're when you're towing. Um, and, and again, I'll bring up the the air pressure thing here too. Is that uh, you want to make sure you have the proper air pressure in your in your car tires and in your uh, in your trailer tires. And don't forget the spare, right? That's right. Everyone always forgets to check the air pressure in their spare, and that's a that's something that you don't want to have low when you need it. That's right. And uh, you know, out this way up here in New England, we have a great. Uh, uh, family-owned uh, tire chain, Sullivan Tire. There's their Michelin dealer as well. And any one of the Sullivan Tire stores, you bring, you bring a t t car in there, they're happy to check the tire pressure and check your tire tread. They do that as, as part of that whole uh, Weber Manufacturers Association Be Tire Smart part. So, uh, and I know you guys you guys belong, belong to uh, believing in all of that as well. And you said you were an engineer, so you look at things a little bit differently. Uh, best I could do was I was a Boy Scout, but we always talked about, you know, preparing preparing for the worst and hoping for the best. How about something we should keep in a car kind of emergency kit? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. Emergency kit. Uh, you know, jumper cables and a flashlight. And, yeah, you know, talked about, talk about the spare tire, but... Uh, yeah, um, you, you're right. I, I always have, well, you want to make sure that your, <laughs> if your car has one, you want to make sure that you have your uh, jack and um, and your uh, and your load wrench handle in the car. Uh, you also want to make sure you have an emergency kit. Uh, sorry, not an emergency kit. You want to make sure you have a... Um, First aid kit. First aid kit. That's right. I lost my words. I've got enough knuckles trying to change our tires. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and I have kids, so my, my wife carries an emergency kit literally everywhere we go. So it not only stays in our car, I think it stays in her purse. Um, but, yeah, a, a good set of jumper cables to keep in your car is a, is a nice thing to have for, for the times when, when you need it or when, uh, when, when someone else may need your help, too. Yeah, there's kind of two kinds of people in life, those who have jumper cables and those who need them. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you brought up a good point about your spare tire, your jack, your lug wrench. Uh, I saw somebody, uh, you know, not everybody calls AAA, not everybody, you know, calls us up and says they need help. I saw somebody today looking looking at the pieces in their trunk going, huh, I wonder what all this is for. <laughs> so, so sometimes a little bit of, uh, a little bit of practice ahead of time is not such a bad idea. That's right. You can, uh, when you have some light reading time, you can always break out the owner's manual to your car and, uh, and figure out, if I needed to change my tire, what do I need to do? Where is everything located? How do I get to it? Where does it go on the car? It's a really good thing to know, and it's something that my two kids are going to learn before they ever get the keys to their car. There you go. And if people want more information about uh, just being prepared, and I, I think you guys actually have a, uh, an acronym, Be Safe, which stands for a whole bunch of stuff, but if they want to find out more information about that or Michelin tires in general, uh, Michelin website is just that, Michelin? MichelinMan.com. MichelinMan.com, and uh, you, you get to hang out with uh, Mr. Bibbian at all? Or? I get to see him every now and then. He, he makes an appearance or two down at the test rack. There you go. Hey, Brandon, thanks for taking a little time out of your Saturday morning. Remember, you know, light the fireworks on the ground and then run. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Th thanks, Brandon. All right, John. Thanks. I'm going to take a break and pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Carbot Program. You're listening on AM50 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Shut up, by the way you popped your cuffs. 
Honda Cars of Boston is Greater Boston's neighborhood Honda dealer with over 800 new Hondas available to choose from. Just five minutes from Boston on Route 99 in Everett, our beautiful new showroom makes your Honda Cars of Boston experience even better. Visit online at hondacarsofboston.com and see all of our tremendous purchase, lease, finance, and certified pre-owned specials. Honda Cars of Boston on Route 99 in Everett is the place for great buys from the Honda guys. Give them a call at 1-800-65-HONDA. Do you dread the car buying experience? Would you like to save time, money, eliminate stress, and positively know you got the best deal possible? Welcome to the ultimate buyer experience from the professionals at the Car Consultancy. With over 20 years of car buying know-how, Ira and his team will create a great car buying experience for you by negotiating and handling all of the details from start to finish. For more information, go to thecarconsultancy.com or call 800-280-3517. That's 800-280-3517. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing during the decline in the U.S. economy, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-273-0135. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-273-0135 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your social security check. Call 800-273-0135 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-273-0135. WROL Boston. Now, let's get back to the car doctor. program on AM 950 WROL and AM 1260 WBIX. My name is John Paul, the car doctor. Let's go to Mike. Mike. Wow, there's a lot of echo there. Okay. I'm sorry? Hang on. I can tell you. I think I can tell you. Hang on. Hang on, let's see. I have the build sheet here somewhere. Uh, for some reason, I can't find it. Oh, here it is. Okay. Let's see. Where is it? Let's see. What can I tell you about this car? It is... It is... For this vehicle, in this, let's see, this vehicle is the final assembly point, interestingly enough, is in Poland. Poland, okay. Poland. And the, uh, and the engine came from Hungary, and the transmission came from Mexico. And, uh, for vehicles in this car, let's see, it says U.S. Canadian part content, 6%, major sources of foreign parts, uh, content, 31% of the parts came from Poland. Wow. And I think it's really an Opal. Okay, okay. 
Okay, okay, okay. This is Dermot. Of course, that's not a Chinese version. No, no, it's uh, no. Strangely enough, it's the uh, it's the Polish Mexico Hungary version. Okay, sounds, sounds like a good <laughs> restaurant at night. I know it does, doesn't it? You know, it's uh, yeah, it really does. But yeah, yeah, I guess it's got a lot of miles on it before you get it, since it gets you know probably shipped all over the place. But I can tell you, it's a it's it's a it's a well put together car, and and again, I, I'm pretty hey, sure I'm pretty sure it's an Opel. Yeah, yeah. They go, they back, go back, back to the 20s or 30s. 30s. So they always yeah, there you go. Okay, thank all right. You very much. All right, take care. Bye-bye. I don't know what all the weird echo was about, but yeah, it was there. Anyway, uh, I want to thank... Um, I want to thank Brandon Sturgis for taking a little time out of his Saturday and uh, the uh, president and CEO, Tim Reeser, of uh, uh, Lightning Hybrids. Uh, Lightning Hybrids, again, the idea of a hydraulic hybrid, a little bit different than what we're sort of used to when we think of, when we think of hybrids, but uh, uh, really, really, sort of, uh, really sort of different because they're storing everything hydraulically. Uh, next week, uh, I want to talk about the the um, Volkswagen recall and what it really means it finally finalized most of that and if you happen to be around um, Herb Chambers in Linfield on July 10th uh, they're having a cars and coffee event and that's going to be on July 10th and Herb is going to have his 53 Buick Skylark there and that was uh, that created the Mark's uh, 50th anniversary, the 53 Skylark was limited production. Only 1,690 of those convertibles were built by General Motors back then. So the 53 Skylar is what it's really called, uh, I guess. Is uh, but uh, probably Skylark is what it really is. But it, it is a it's a, a beautiful looking car, and that's going to be there Sunday, July 10th, from 7 to 10. Also remember Saturday, uh, the Endicott Estate. Check out their website for the. Um, for the uh, the Antique Auto Association, but their big event at Anticotta State, always a great time, and uh, just a, a big event over there, great time to go car shopping, and if you're in you know in and around the Dedham area, you got to check that out next weekend as well for next Sunday, so a lot of, a lot of good, this is car season, this is when you really want to go see some of this stuff, so uh, we will be talking next week again about more some more convertibles and uh, some good stuff, so is um, John Costello in the studio yet? Uh, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Johnny. Where are you, sir? Get his microphone on. Hello, sir. There you are. Holy, Holy echo. echo. Yeah. I don't know what that's all about. Where, where are you? Um, uh, I can't tell you. Yeah, no, this is, I'm sure you're sitting in a uh, beach chair with the toes in the sand. Yeah, that's where I should be. That's where I should be. But not, please, quite, please. not quite yet. The, list, the listening audience knows you by now. I know, I know. Well, I, I filled my, uh, I had a flat tire, and I filled it with fix-a-flat. Okay. And I was, and I was told, you can't. You can't, you can't plug a hole after you fix a flat. True or false? Um, what happens is it makes it hard to do. You got to wash all the fix a flat stuff out, so it can become. And you should patch it. You should never actually plug it anyway. But um, if they do put a plug in there, it'll be fine. The fix a flat acts like a plug, though. Uh, it depends on how permanent it's going to be. It's always a good. Now what's happened is it's going to be hard to find where the hole is unless there's still a nail in there. I'm on, I'm on day, day two, two after, after this guy plugged it. Yeah. So so am I am I just kind of buying time um you might not be it might be a permanent repair you might be fine yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll get to your margarita umbrella drinks so you're done there we go
There we go. Hey, Johnny, thanks a lot. Uh, the very best in Irish music with John Costello and the Irish Hit Parade coming up next. Until next week, wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and enjoy your holiday. Take care. Bye-bye, everyone. WROL Boston, the spirit of Boston. A service of Salem Media Group. Round the fields of Baton Rock.